Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jim Brockmeyer Podcast. I am Jim Brockmeyer. I'm a former Major League broadcaster. I'm the man who recently picked a perfect NCAA bracket while doing ayahuasca with Bill Walton. But most importantly, I am your host. How you doing, everybody? I'm joined by my producing partner and very dear friend, Sheena Dot. Hello there, Sheena. Hey, Jim. And hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. First episode here. Huh? Exciting. And we got a doozy of a guest today. Mr. Charles Barkley is going to be joining us in just a little bit. But before we get started, Sheena, I thought I, I perhaps should give the folks a little background on, on who I really am. For those of you who maybe heard of Jim Brockmeyer, uh, long story short, I was a baseball announcer in Kansas City doing pretty well for myself until uh, the unfortunate day that I got shit face drunk on the air and talked about walking in on my wife, Lucy, having an extremely graphic sexual encounter with my neighbor, Bob Greenwald. <laughs> and as a result, uh, well, I lost my job. I was forced to spend several years, about a decade uh, out in the wilderness. I was calling cockfights in the Philippines. Uh, I called a Lithuanian wife carrying contest, which is a real thing. Go ahead and Google it. And uh, I've been trying to work my way back ever since, but uh, boy, the MLB has been pretty tough on me. And I understand it, believe me. I said some very, very, very naughty words on live radio. And gosh, I, I wish I had done something that the MLB considered less serious, like, oh, I don't know, cheating to win a World Series. How about that? I mean, yeah, if you did that, you would no longer be getting punished by now. Yeah, I'd be in the clear by now. They'd say, oh, take a year off, relax. They'd praise me for it. But, you know, the MLB has made it known. Banging on trash cans is less offensive than banging my neighbor Bob Greenwald with a strap-on dildo, which is what my wife was used to. But, you know, hey, I can't argue with that. So, you know, I figured I'd start this podcast uh, with you, Sheena, and uh, it'll give me a place to talk about what's going on in the world of sports without a bunch of empty suits clutching their pearls at the mere mention of a, a natural act of love like femdom sodomy. So, <laughs> so here we go. And boy, we're just in time for the new baseball season, aren't we? Uh, so I want to talk about the Mets here. They, they've intrigued me the most in this offseason. Sheena, uh, so, what do you think about their new owner and this new contract for Francisco Lindor? Huh? Ten years, $341 million. It's, it's the $1 million part that freaks me out. I mean, what is that just like a fuck you to everybody? Not, not 340, 341. Fuck you, everybody. Well, I think he needed to officially be higher paid than Fernando Tatis. Oh, I see. Oh, so Tatis got 340 and he's yes. getting 341. So All it's a right. fuck you to one person. To Tatis, not yes. everybody. All right. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot more sense. I mean, you got to uh, hand it to Steve Cohen, new owner of the Mets. I mean, he really is trying to make the Mets a winner. I mean, he's doing what all billionaires inevitably do. They succeed so much in life, too much, really, to the point that to achieve that same thrill of victory, they must take on a task that humanity has deemed completely impossible, like, like Bill Gates wanting to stop global disease or Jeff Bezos wants to conquer outer space. And Steve Cohen wants the Mets to have a, a decent infield defense. And, you know, to be honest, I don't know which of all those accomplishments would be most impressive to me. I mean, people living on Mars sounds totally believable. I cannot imagine the day that I'll be able to look at Mr. Met and see a winner rather than the cartoon embodiment of 21st century male inadequacy with an extremely large and frightening head. But, you know, I don't know. Lindor seems like a step in the right direction anyway. Now, Sheena, you're, you're from Chicago. You're a Cubs fan. Is that right? That is right. Yes. Yeah. How they do? What are they? Uh, how you feeling about the Cubs this year? I don't want to talk about it. I've just been in mourning ever since Theo Epstein left. Oh, right. Yeah. He took off and he abandoned you guys. He's working for Major League Baseball now, I believe. Yes. Yeah, you guys are making a pretty good run at uh, being pretty Mets-like. You're going to be, I think the Cubs are going to be the new Mets. That's my The prediction. new Mets, but with wins. <laughs> well, that would make them not the Mets. Right. <laughs> and of course, as I always like to say, the Mets are the Yankees of not being the Yankees. But anyway, we've got a very exciting interview to get to, don't we, Gina? Yes, we do. Our guest today is Hall of Fame NBA player and an award-winning analyst on Inside the NBA. He's just one of the greatest basketball players and TV sports personalities of all time. Mr. Charles Barkley. Sir Charles, so glad you can join us. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Do I, can I call you Jim or I have to call you Mr. Brockmeyer? You can call me anything you like. Uh, I love you. I'd be honored if you'd call me Jim, because you're somebody who I respect very much, because you are probably, apart from myself, I consider you the most honest sports analyst on television. I mean, if a game is boring, you say this is boring. 
I've seen, you fall asleep. You watch something else. It's incredible. I love it. You're doing a public service, really, by telling people they are wasting their time watching the game that you've been paid to promote, right? Because life is too short to watch the Pistons play. That's my motto. Uh, it's definitely too short to watch the Pistons play. You know, we're on from 8 to 2 in the morning. The only thing worse than watching a couple hours of bad basketball is watching six hours of bad basketball. <laughs> and I miss Scandal. I used to always watch Scandal when the games were on. I was going to say, you mean the television show, not creating Scandal, like we might get to a little bit later, but you mean watching the TV show. You know, a Scandal every now and then doesn't hurt you. Yes, we're going to get to that in this interview, Charles. Believe you me. You are known. You have my favorite sports nickname of them all. You are known as the Round Mound of Rebound. Now, how do you feel about that nickname? Do you like it? Do you dislike it? Are you neutral about it? How do you feel about that name? I love my nickname. You know, on a show a couple of weeks ago, they apparently, according to the NBA Bible, I have 17 nicknames. Really? And for my birthday, they put all 17 nicknames, Crisco Kid, um, uh, Sir Charles, uh, Board Gorge, the Wide Low from Leaves. So I don't even know <laughs> I had that many nicknames. But I will say Round Mountain Rebound is my favorite. Sheena, we failed in our research that we didn't look up these other nicknames. That's but we, true. But we have some other suggestions for you, Charles. First of all, round mounter, how many, you did pull down a lot of boards. Sheena, how many, how many career rebounds does Charles have? Charles has 12,546. Yeah, see, that's a lot. And you are a very spherical man, Charles. I mean, your head and your body are almost, they're almost perfect circles. But there are some other stats that uh, I, I thought we could maybe come up with some rhyming nicknames for. Sheena, can you pull up the, the, the list of stats we had for Charles, career stats? Yeah. Um, so in 1993, Charles won the MVP award. No, that was one. Not that one, though. 11 uh, time all star. No, wonderful. Also, but not not that wasn't one I was thinking of. No. OK, here it is. Charles is one of only four players in history with at least 20,000 points, 10,000 rebounds and 4,000 assists. No, again, great. But I want I'm sorry, Charles. We're not using this disorganized. Sheena, the, the list I gave you, the, the list I wanted. Brockmeyer, I don't know if that's really just please. What would just remind me, please, the, the, the stat I wanted to rhyme with. Uh, OK, well, he he's never won a championship. That's the one. OK. Anybody referred to the round mound of rebound as the big king with no rings? You ever hear that one? Uh, I have actually heard that one before. I hear that one a lot, apparently, on the Internet. So, uh, yes, I have heard that before, Jim. <laughs> I thought I was being original. All right, give me another one, Shannon. What was the other one I like? Um, well, you did. You told me to bring up the time that he threw someone through a plate glass window. Right. OK, so the circular mass of broken glass. You ever hear that one? I have never heard that, but I will tell your listeners this. Never throw a drink on a guy bigger than you that you cannot outrun. <laughs> this little shit throws a drink on me, Jim. <laughs> and back in the day, I could really run. And everybody tried to say, you threw a little guy through a window. I said, yeah. Did he think he was going to grow between the time the, the drink got to me? And he could outrun me. Never throw a drink on a person you cannot outrun. That's my advice to you, America. That's a great motto. That's even better than uh, life is too short to watch the Pistons play. That's wonderful. I had one more. Sheena, what was the other thing that I wanted to rhyme with? See if I mean, you... uh, Charles likes to place the occasional friendly wager. Right. Horrible gambling problem. How about this? Prominent civilian of losing millions. You ever heard that one? As long as you can afford to gamble is not a problem. I've always paid my bills. I, 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 I got a nice house. I got a nice car. I paid for my daughter's way to go to college. I this is not an intervention. I'm not I, I, I'm not uh, I'm not coming down. I'm not making fun of you for gambling, anything like that. I mean, if anybody who knows a lot about losing money very quickly, it is me. I lost six figures once when I bet Brent Musburger that he could not chug a case of drinkable yogurt in 102 degree heat. I lost that bet. Is that a thing? Drinkable yogurt? Yeah, I believe it's called Gogurt. It's like an IV bag that gives you diabetes. <laughs> yeah, Brent Musburger drank a, a whole case of it in 102 degree heat. It was a mess, but he did it. After about 37 of them, he was having visual and auditory hallucinations because that much yogurt apparently terrorizes the nervous system, Charles. Well, it probably terrorized the bathroom later, too. 
Oh, yeah. He lost all feeling in his ass after about 60 of them. And then uh, by the end, he could not make the puh sound. So he was saying help, but we all thought he was saying hell. It was uh, it was a crazy thing. Anyway, <laughs> one humorous note, he, he had his stomach pumped. But, you know, he's doing fine now, other than the occasional probiotic flashback and the fact that Brent Musburger remains a punk ass bitch. But here's the question for you. Have you, you. have you made prop bets in your life? What's the weirdest prop bet you ever made? And what's the most money you won or lost on it? Ever make any crazy prop bets? I don't, I'm not a prop bet guy. Ah. Like, you know, I've been to the Super Bowl 24 straight years. Wow. My friends vote, uh, bet on the national anthem. They bet on the coin toss. That stuff like there is for losers. I like to bet on NFL football. I love football. Football and boxing are my two favorite sports. Uh, and I love to gamble. And people give me shit about it all the time. You know what I tell them? What? For some reason, I've never been in a casino by myself. So other people like to gamble, too. Well, bars are often full as well. That doesn't mean you're not a drunk. But football and boxing, boy, that's pretty old school. Do you still bet on boxing? Does they even have boxing matches anymore? Does it still happen? They do. They don't. The best don't fight the best. And let me just tell you something. If you get a chance to go to a big boxing match, it's the greatest thing you're going to see in person. I once saw a boxing match in person, but it was Tom Arnold fighting his rabbi. Is that true? It is true. Did Tom beat up the rabbi or got his butt kicked? Uh, honestly, it, Tom kind of, he beat the shit out of his rabbi, yeah. I so. guess it's not a shock that uh, a, a, a large man beat up a rabbi. I, that doesn't seem like much of a contest. I mean, Charles, congratulations, by the way. Your daughter was recently married, and she married a nice uh, Jewish boy. Do you, do you now, do you, are you upset personally now? Now that you're a member, uh, you're, you're an honorary member of the, uh, the Jewish religion, are you upset that Tom Arnold beat up a rabbi? Uh, yeah, and so now if I see Tom Arnold, I'm just going to walk up to him and punch him in the face. Uh, <laughs> that's what I'm going to do next time I see Tom Arnold. Well, I'm sure you're not alone there. I bet Tom Arnold spends most of his day dodging punches from people on the street. Have you bet on any others besides boxing, like cockfights, goose pulling, anything like that? Anything crazy like that? No, no, I, I'm not that country. I, well, I'm from the South, but I'm Southern. I'm not country. There's a difference. I went to Auburn. We're Southern. We're not country. Country's those people in Tuscaloosa who go to Alabama. But we're just Southern. Don't forget that. What's the difference between Southern and country? Well, I only, I only have sex with the good-looking relatives. Those country people have sex with the ugly relatives. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I am learning a whole lot today. Wow. Boy, I was going to start roasting you here, Charles, but I don't think I could do any better job than you're doing yourself on yourself. <laughs> But let me get to some of that. And I'm not being disrespectful at all. I want you to know that I really do truly hold you in the highest regard. And when I look at your NBA career, I see so many memorable moments, such an impressive legacy. So when you look around at the talent in the NBA today, which you do almost nightly, do you think anybody can live up to your particular legacy? And by that, I mean, who do you think could spit on more kids than you did? Is there anybody you would, you would think is likely to do that? Uh, Draymond Green, my, he probably he, now he's become my favorite NBA player. But if anybody is going to go over the edge, it's going to be Draymond. <laughs> I, you consider that going over the edge? I agree with you, by, way, by the way, on that on that assessment, because I defend you all the time on that spitting thing. For those you don't know, Charles accidentally, accidentally spit on a little girl. Uh, you were attempting to spit at a heckler during a game against the New Jersey Nets. And I always rush to your defense on this because I think personally that it's perfectly acceptable to spit on anybody in New Jersey for any reason. I mean, adults, kids, dogs, whoever. I think when you live in New Jersey, Charles, you expect to be spit on. There's a term for it. It's called a New Jersey baptism. Did you know that? No, people in New Jersey during that time were really cruel. When we played the, the Nets, they were unbelievably brutal at the Meadowlands back then. And I would give them shit. I said, hey, it ain't my fault you can't afford to live in New York. Leave me alone. Let me do my job. By the way, the New Jersey state flag is a picture of two Italian women spitting at a horse. Did you know that? I That's did not true. Know That's that. true. She, Sheena, no, look it up, Sheena. That's absolutely not true. Jersey State flag. Look it up. That's not that's that's no flag. There's no flag like that. How dare you? So, Charles, you only spit on on the one child. Is that right? That was yes. it. No, yes. there's no more that we don't know about. 
And yes, definitely no more. For that, was, that, I learned a very valuable lesson. Keep your spit in your mouth. <laughs> That's another boy. We're just racking up the mottos today. But you're sure now, no commercial breaks. There was no like bad halftime show where you like sprayed an entire child gymnastics team. Nothing like that. Definitely right. not. I told you it, it was that. That was a very harsh lesson to learn, and I learned it at one time. Kind of like touching a hot stove. You don't have to touch a hot stove, but one time I realized, yeah, I better not touch that anymore. Let's put it this way: there's a lot of different hot stoves you've touched in your life, so it's almost like you have to try out each one before you learn to pull your hand away from that particular one. You know what yes, I mean? Yes, I have. I have uh, definitely touched some hot stoves in my career. Yeah, we're going to get to it. But I don't know if you know this. I walked in on my wife having sex with my neighbor, Bob Greenwald. And, yeah, and I, I went crazy I know, about that. I actually, uh, I saw that. That is an ass kick or get your ass kicked situation. Yeah, and I pretty much got my ass kicked. Not only did I get my ass kicked in that situation, but then I went on the air, got in a blackout drunk and talked about it and then got fired and was out of baseball for 10 years. But now fans of mine, they, they'll ask me, to walk in on them having sex and pretend that the woman is my wife. It's called doing a cuckmire. That's what they call it. Now it's very, it's degrading, but it's a good way to make a few extra bucks in spring training. Has, has anybody ever requested you do something weird, like spin on them or their kid or anything? No, they, they don't, don't. But uh, I'm not opposed to somebody walking in and watching two people have sex. If, if you, if you can get that contact for me, let me know. Well, maybe the next time the NBA has a COVID bubble, we can set aside a floor of the hotel. We can make that happen for you. You know, just not to put too fine a point on it, but what I walked in on, my, my wife was actually having sex with the guy. She had a strap on and she was plowing Bob Greenwald right in the ass. And, and I hosted his, bar, his kid's bar mitzvah too. We live in the United States of America. You have the right to be freaky if you want to be. I, I agree with you. I prefer, preferably not with my wife, but that's all water under the bridge. But maybe oh, you could hold on for a second. Yeah, is that technically him having sex with your wife? I guess not. No, like I say, it was she was having sex with him. But yeah, uh, so that doesn't count. <laughs> so she's still like uh, I can still say she was faithful to me technically. Listen, a lot of decisions in life are all about technicalities. That is a very interesting technicality. I really wouldn't even know how to answer that question. I'm not going to lie. I mean, you may be right. Technically, she was faithful, technically. Although the, 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 it doesn't make the image not burned in my brain and not, you know, wake me up in the middle of the night any less screaming. But, you know, so as you know, I'm not judgmental of you with the, with the spitting on the kid thing. Um, I never did that. Uh, I did once urinate out the window of the Tropicana Field broadcast booth because I figured nobody ever goes to Tampa Bay Rays games. It would be fine. But I was wrong, Charles. I act, surprising number of people got hit with that spray. But it was German Heritage Night, so they weren't that mad about it. They, uh, <laughs> did you know that the Germans enjoy the golden showers? Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, is, no, that, is that a German thing? Yeah, that's where the expression, um, I got peed on like a German, comes from. I've never heard that expression. All right, now, moving on. I've heard that you credit Moses Malone for making all the success you've had in your career possible. Now, now, why do you, why do you say that? Well, he is definitely the most important person in my NBA career. You know, Jim, when I was in college, I played about 295 pounds and I had uh, great success for three years. I, I led the SEC and rebounded for three years. And so I thought that I was in pretty good shape and was working hard. And when I got to the NBA, I wasn't getting to play. And Moses lived in the same building as me. And I, w I asked him, could I come up to the penthouse, I might add. Can I come up to the penthouse and talk to you after practice to this afternoon? He says, sure, young fellow, sure. And I said, Moses, why am I not getting to play? And he said, you're fat and you're lazy. Well, the first thing I did, I just started crying. Uh, but then he says, Son, you weigh 295 pounds. You cannot play at that weight in the NBA. And this guy, who was already one of the best to ever do it, took care of a fat kid from Alabama, and he said, let's lose 10 pounds. Uh, well, his first thing he said, I'll meet you in the morning and in the evening if you want to get in shape. And this guy said, let's lose 10 pounds. So I get to 280, 285. Mm-hmm. 
and I get to 275. This is over a couple months. And he gets me down to 250. Wow. And for this guy who was already one of the best who ever do it, who was on the back, obviously the backside of his life, for him to take the time to help a fat kid from Alabama who he didn't know didn't have an obligation to help, and the rest is history. So he's the most important person for taking me under his wing. Well, that's, that is really a heartwarming story, and, and uh, it's pretty fascinating. I'm somebody who, as I mentioned earlier, ended my career in a blackout drunk on the air, okay? So this story fascinated me. I, did you, I heard you played a game drunk once. Is that correct? Yes. My last two or three years in Philly, there was a bunch of trade rumors about me all the time. There was like 10 teams trying to get me my last two to three years in Philly. And finally, my agent calls me and says, hey, stay around the phone. I think the deal's going to get done. So he calls me back around 10, 11 o'clock. Because in the NBA, you practice, depending on what city, you either practice at 10 or 11, depending on what city you're in. So he calls, mm-hmm. he says, I think the deal's going to get done. He calls me around noon and says, you've been traded to the Lakers. Mm. And I was ecstatic. I was going crazy. I called like three of my guys and we <laughs> went and we got blasted celebrating. Oh boy. Oh yeah. I was feeling it. I was so excited. To, I was so excited. And then about three 30, we had been at the bar for like two and three hours, basically. Mm-hmm. We were doing shots and everything. And then my agent called me about three 34 he says, the Sixers pull out the deal at the last minute. I'm like, oh, shit. We got a game tonight. <laughs> He's like, oh, shit. I'm like, yeah, this ain't good. I said, I'm feeling pretty good right now. And, you know, Jim, I asked the only reason I was so drunk. I have no idea how I played that night. Oh, I feel you. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I've had a lot of broadcasts. I don't remember them too well. But, uh... Yeah, so I was hammered. I just hope I didn't make other people sick with the, the alcohol coming out of my pores because we felt pretty good for those three hours. So if anybody got close to me, they probably could have got a contact little buzz. Did you win or lose this game? Do you remember it all? And listen, I, I'm not going to remember every game, but man, I, yeah, I wish but I, I, I get the feeling, Charles, the day after, if I asked you this question, you would have said you didn't really remember either. Do, do you know what your stat line is for that game? Like, how'd you play? Do you have any idea? Oh, no, I have no idea. Uh, you know, I don't think I embarrass myself. Yeah, that might redefine the term lose-lose. Is you're going to be a Laker, you get drunk, no, you're not a Laker, and now you have to play a professional basketball game wasted off your ass. That is definitely a lose-lose scenario. <laughs> yeah, that was that didn't work out for you. You know, I mean, we're talking about young players. I mean, that's one thing that I think would be much harder to do in the modern era, Charles. M- much was harder back when, when you played, but because the high def cameras, they would see those bloodshot eyes of yours. I mean, that before the game was over, somebody would have made a meme of you throwing up in your mouth or something. And they probably would have titled it. Well, they pro- it might be another opportunity for a rhyming nickname. How about the drunk punk of slam dunk? How about that? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that. The drunk punk, the slam dunk. I actually like that. That's I'm glad great. you like it, Charles. I'm, you know, I'm just trying to submit something that might surpass round mound or rebound for you. Now, I want to circle back to the heartwarming tale of Moses Malone. So Moses called you fat and lazy, which that might not work for everybody. I mean, my dad called me fat and lazy and I developed a drinking problem and a desperate need for external validation. You know, but to his credit, it didn't inspire me to do anything good. I mean, I, to his credit, I am in shape and I'm pretty healthy today, aside from my liver and brain and heart and mind and penis and left hip and elbow. But uh, a lot of that can be fixed. Uh, they got they got pills for some of that. You mean the penis part? Yeah. Yeah. They have for several years. Yeah. yeah. The Viagra, the uh, the Cialis. Oh, the, listen, Jim, 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 that is so old school. You got to get some bigger firepower. You, don't waste your time on Viagra Cialis. That stuff, hey, that's just that's just that's just baby stuff. That's like baby aspirin. You can just go to a gas station or something like that if a you gas want. Gas station. Wow. Yeah. Get off your ass and grab your water and get you some more firepower. Leave that cheap stuff alone. Okay, I'm starting to get morbidly obsessed with the image of you browsing the dick pill section of an AMPM, Charles. So, so let me move on to this. Do you think that there are any players today who are not great? 
because they aren't receiving the proper amount of verbal abuse like you did? Let's talk about Ben Simmons, for example. He, he isn't shooting threes because he lacks confidence. Are you thinking to yourself, oh, man, confidence. All this kid needs is for me to throw a diaper at his head and call him a big, dumb baby. That would fix him right up. First of all, I would say, yo, man, they're giving away hundreds of millions of dollars. And all you got to do is go to the gym and work on just shoot basketball. You ain't going to work in the coal mines. You're not working on the highways when it's cold or rainy or freezing. All you got to do is go in a stupid gym for a couple hours every day and shoot a basketball. And you know what they're going to do to you? They're going to say, here's $200 million. That's exactly. I- so you agree with me. See, I feel I- like maybe that's the root of the problem when people say that you and Shaq are too critical of today's players because you approach players the same way that you were approached. Tough yeah. love, right? Tough love. That worked for you. 100% tough love. But it doesn't work for the modern millennial XYZ alphabet Gen Z XY player children of today. They're very sensitive, right? They need more positive reinforcement. Sensitive would be an understatement for what some of these guys are. So now it's today. Your young Charles is today. Moses Malone can't call you fat and lazy. He comes up to you and he says, uh, oh, look at you, Charles, you plus size king. Boy, you've got curves for days. I'm just living for it. And I admire your ability to constantly be comfortable no matter where you are or how bad you look. You're like a sentient futon. Now, get out there on that court and claim your extra wide throne, my marshmallow monarch. If he had said that, do you think that would have inspired you equally? No. You know what I'll be saying to you, Jim? Hey, Look. welcome to McDonald's. Can I help you, please? <laughs> you would have gone right back. It would have been. I would have had to get a real. Hey, I would have to get a real job. But that's no disrespect to people at McDonald's now. Don't be calling Mr. Brockmeyer being a pain in the ass. You know, that was the best thing ever happened happened to me because you know right now I'm going to go my whole life without a job. Without a real job, yeah. Yeah, so my dad, he looked at me one day when I became a successful announcer. He said, well, beats working, doesn't it, kid? Yes, it does. Exactly. Hey, I tell people, I get paid to watch basketball. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're talking about the modern game and the modern player. I mean, what you've said about basketball anyway, and I believe I'm quoting you here, is you called it stupid ass basketball where they just jack up threes all night and rather ungratefully, as you just pointed out. Now, let me ask you a question, though. This disdain you have for the three-pointer, which I share to an extent, is that all informed by the fact that you are the very worst volume three-point shooter of all time? And we do have the stats to back this up. Sheena, what, what's that three-point Charles stat? Yeah, I, I'm, Jim, I don't know that I'm... No, no, no. Just play, Sheena, just give me the stat. This is going along already. Just give me the stat. So uh, 456 NBA players have shot at least 1,000 three-pointers in their career. Charles Barkley ranks 456. 456, dead last. Yep, in three-point uh, field goal percentage with a .266. That's really bad. You notice I didn't shoot a lot of them, okay, for a reason, because I wasn't sh- good. You shot enough to make the stat book. And that's not the reason I disdain the three. I disdain the three because... Like, in the Rockets in the playoffs, that one year, they missed 29 straight streets against the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, I remember like, that. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. At some point, you got to realize it ain't your night. Feel free to take a layup every now and then. I don't think that's the real reason you don't like threes, Charles. I, I think I don't want to overanalyze you or get too deep here, but I think it's a natural instinct on your part. I don't like seeing people be good at things that I'm terrible at. You know, it's why I don't watch that national spelling bee every year. I don't need to see some little dork celebrate because they know how to spell staphylococcus and I don't, you know. By the way, the way I spell it makes more sense with a, with a big fat C-O-C-K. Well, well, first of all, I'm a firm believer, though, and you shouldn't be using words you're not going to use ever in your life, except at a spelling bee. <laughs> right. Like, Another very good motto. But I'm not jealous of guys make that's something that I suck at. That doesn't bother me at all. 
See, but I, look, that's all well and good what you're saying. I don't think you're jealous of the other guys. I think it's the three-point shot itself that you're upset about. See, from an outsider's perspective, it seems like you actually love the three. The three just doesn't love you back. See, and now you resent it a little bit. Is it, Charles, is the three-pointer the one that got away? I shouldn't say one. I, it's more like the 1,482 that got away because that's how many you missed, Charles. And I got another nickname for you. Oh. Based on this. How about this one? The renowned clown who can't hit from downtown. How about that one? That's a lot of shit there. <laughs> got to shorten that up. Yeah, not my best. Now, talking about today's game, going back to this, it is now a little bit more boring now that it's not as physical as when you played. I certainly feel that way. But on the plus side, isn't it good that players are more protected from lasting injuries? I mean, looking at you, for example, looking at your golf swing in particular, Something in your body or mind is clearly broken permanently. No, I'm coming out of my slump right now. You know, you saw me in a match with Phil Mickelson. I hear some good shots. Hey, let me tell you something. I'm going. I'm only going to get better. I've been in a slump for twenty something years. I'm coming out of my slump. It is impossible for you to get worse. I'm going to put this in the most complimentary way possible. Okay, Charles. I remember the first time I saw you swing a golf club. I say this in all honesty, I thought I was looking into the mouth of hell, okay? Because halfway through the downswing, there was this moment, it was like time stood still. I thought the TV broke. It's like you totally forgot what you were doing. And then a moment later, you violently started back up and you flailed wildly at the ball. It was like sad and frightening and it took a very long time, Charles. It was like watching somebody put their car in neutral and slowly run over a dog. Well, <laughs> It was it was definitely sad and frightening and painful. Uh, Did it I hurt heard, you? Was it painful for you as it was to watch? Did it hurt you? Does it hurt? It don't hurt my body. It hurts my mind to be. Listen, I've never sucked at anything in my life. Well, well, in fairness, that's that's just uh, really three point three, three point shooting three point shooting. <laughs> no, but I was good. No, I was good at basketball, so people weren't paying attention to my three point percentage till later. But in fairness, the only thing I've ever did was basketball. So that's a little crazy to say. Yeah, see, I've sucked at most things I've tried. And I think that's better living in a state of perpetual failure. Because now I'll try anything. I almost look forward to seeing the new and unique ways I'll trip over my own dick. Speaking of the young players of today, continuing with that theme, there's a fair amount of NBA players who when they, when they imagine a hater, they imagine your face. There's people who are under 35 that have no idea you were at one point a tremendous athletic person. They see you now, they just think, oh, there's that professional hater guy. He goes on TV and he hates on things for money. You've inspired a whole generation of haters, really. There are so many little assholes on TikTok who learned how to shit on things directly from you. And I think that that's beautiful. Listen, every time you say something criticizing a person doing your job, that does not make you a hater. But these young guys consider it hating I consider it doing my job. You know what I noticed too, Jim? What, what, Charles? What? These fuckers never call me when I give them a compliment. They only <laughs> call me when I criticize them. They, they never have said, Charles said great things about me. But the first time I quote unquote hate on them, these fuckers never call me and say, hey, man, thanks for the kind words. Now, I was amazed to discover that you're not on social media, which I find amazing. By the way, I'm not either. I do the bare minimum when it comes to the internet, just a Hotmail account and Pornhub premium for old Jim Brogmeyer. But- um, Thumbzilla's better. <laughs> it's like I found a kindred spirit here today. But I see, I find no social media for you very surprising because you seem to be to be made for social media. You're opinionated, you say whatever you want, and you do almost no research on what you talk about. That's all Twitter is. That's like a match made in heaven for you. Now, I'm not going to talk to these fools, Jim. You shouldn't be on social media if you at work and you're good at something. So I got shit to do. I'm working or doing something fun. People who are on social media all the time, you have to, they have to ask themselves, like, why do I have time to be on Twitter and social media? Because you fucking suck at your job. Your only job is to try to say bad thing about other people who are successful. <laughs> Well, I'm sure they could do that on their spare time, Charles. No, Twitter, no, no, look, no, no. Twitter's just a bunch of amateurs talking out of their ass. But you're the Picasso of talking out your ass. You'd be great at it. But at least I know what the fuck I'm talking about. These guys, 
they have the, the, the feel the need to comment on everything that's happening in the world. I only comment on basketball. Like they offer me Monday night football. I says, I like football, but I ain't going to be one of these jackasses that get on TV and act like he know about football. But my thing is, why do you take the time out of your life to say something mean or just be a dick or an asshole? Like it's, it's something that's got nothing to do with you, I might add. But you take the time to troll. I think that's the word they use. Trolling, yeah, trolling, hating, sure. I would never be sitting around my house and say, let me get off my fat ass and grab my computer and comment on something that's happening. But in fairness, Charles, you're paid to do that on TV every night. So you have a very large forum. Only about basketball. Fair enough. I don't know how you can resist Twitter because it's also the ultimate gamble. I mean, you send out these tweets and they either destroy your life and end your career or you become president of the United States. I mean, the stakes don't get any higher than that. I don't see how you can resist. Yeah, Because I, I don't want either one of those. I don't say this lightly when I say that Charles Barkley could have been, could still be the Michael Jordan of Twitter. What do you think of that? Uh, you know, I, I was surprised he made it as a basketball player. I thought that he was going to be a uh, no, I'm just fucking with you. Uh, <laughs> I, was about, I was getting excited there. Hey, you know what's really funny? I, I tell this story. So I'm at the Olympic trials. So they invite like the top 120 players in the country. And we play each other for a week and they go from 120 to 100 to 80 to 60 to 40 to 20. And so like this, it was amazing, like probably... 40 Hall of Famers in this group. Like, it was a who's who of basketball for the last... Oh, I see. So it was like a episode of The Bachelor. They're just kind of narrowing you down and deciding yes. who's going to make it. Yeah. Okay. We get there, and Bobby Knight hates me, so I don't make the team. I get cut. Me and Carmelon and John Stockton and Terry Porter rode to the airport together. Wow. And so uh, John Thompson, one of my heroes, called my coach. He says, uh, he says Sonny, I just want you to know... Charles was the second best player in my opinion. He was awesome, but Bobby had made up his mind that Charles wasn't going to make the Olympic team. He didn't like me for some reason. And my coach, because he was an asshole. That's my theory, but go ahead. Good point. But the thing that's really interesting, my coach says, wow, I'm really surprised. I thought you were going to be the best player there. I said, well, I'm fucking not. I said, coach, let me tell you something. There's this dude at North Carolina. Hmm. He's the best basketball player I've ever seen in my life. I said, he's a little taller than me. He's got a great body. He can outrun everybody. He can outjump everybody. And I said, his name is Michael Jeffrey Jordan. We got to remember his name. And obviously, the rest of the shit is history. Wow, you could actually see MJ's future greatness. That is something. But I, I, I want to talk a little bit about what the future currently holds for you. Because it's very easy to imagine you running for office someday. Do you still have those thoughts and aspirations? I think you could do it. I mean, based on Alabama's recent political figures, there's a pretty good chance your opponent would be some sort of a sexual predator, you know? <laughs> so, And all you've done was spit on one kid, just the one. So that's... Yeah, I, figured ch- out, I figured out something. I'm really learning. Uh, both of these parties, the Republicans and the Democrats, are both full of shit. <laughs> Amen to that, brother. I mean, if you were to run, do you think your past controversies would, would get in the way? Have you seen some of the shit these people undone in Congress and, <laughs> and who've been presidents? It, it's a joke. So, yeah, listen, hey, I've done stupid shit in my life, but no, I don't want to go to work and argue with people. Well, I, I understand that, but uh, your list is pretty impressive, Charles. I, what's the one that I love? There's one in particular of your, your crazy hygiene, Charles, that I really like. Which one is it, the one that I love? What's my li- on, off my list, Sheena, the one that I love? Uh, well, from the list that you wrote, Jim. Yes, I take full responsibility. Don't worry, Charles loves you. After a game in Milwaukee, he got into a bar fight and broke a guy's nose. Now, who hasn't done that? Please. Hold on, Not, hold on. Uh, Jim, can I tell you the story that happened? Please, I'd love you to. We were playing the Milwaukee Bucks, and two of my friends, Frank Brickowski and Larry Kostowiak, played for the Bucks. Mm-hmm. So we go out drinking after the game. Back then, we flew commercial. Mm-hmm. So about two in the morning, they closed the bar. And we got like an hour and a half, two, well, that's about two hours before we got to leave for the airport. And Frank says, hey, won't you come back to my house? 
we live right across the street, a, a couple blocks away, and have a couple drinks and go right. I'm like, that's a good idea. I don't want to try to go to bed for an hour because I'll sleep through. She said, hey, you can ride with my wife. I said, okay. So we're walking, and for some reason, everybody in the fucking state of Wisconsin disappeared. <laughs> Me and her walking down the road. It's creepy. It's like an, it's like an HBO series. This well, is creepy. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's, a, and it's a blizzard. So we're walking. We get about a block from the bar, and I hear something. And I'm thinking to myself, somebody's chasing us. I said, hey, let's speed up. She said, boy, I'm about here like a block. I said, we need to speed up. And then I could hear some, some people running toward me. And before I know it, it's these three damn weightlifters right in my damn grill. Wow. You heard them coming. I could, because like, like, I turned my head and I could hear some a commotion. And I look up. It's people running toward me. So then I'm thinking like, oh, shit. Chuck getting ready to get his ass kicked. All of a sudden, they're in my grill. And I'm like, yo, man, what's going on? They're like, we don't fucking like you. We're going to kick your ass. So old girl starts screaming. And I said, hey, I'm in trouble right now. So, Jim, I made one of the great decisions of my life. I started stripping. Wow. I didn't think you were going to say that. I did. I took off my coat. I took off my shirt. I took off my shoes and socks. And I started doing karate kid shit. <laughs> and two of the guys started backing up. But this one fucking dude, he's standing right in front of me. The other dude's like, this dude is naked other than pants. And he's doing like, I, it, it had to be around the time I probably, see, I probably just seen wax on white ball, uh, watch the karate kid. So you're going Mr. Miyagi on these guys, half naked in the freezing cold. Is that what's going on? I'm thinking like, I'm, 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 just, I'm just trying to like, they're going to think I'm fucking nuts. He going to back up because there's two partners backed up, but this dude won't move. And I do it for like another couple of minutes. Then I said, I got to make my move now. And I hit this dude in the fucking face so hard. He went down and said, you broke my nose. And I said, you damn right. That's plenty more where that came from. And they picked him up and left. Wow. And I go back. I said, hey, listen, just drop me off at the hotel. I'm in a bad mood now. I only got like another hour. So about 30 minutes to 45 minutes in. Oh, boy. It's the coach. He's the Chuck. I thought it was the cops. It was the coach? Well, they had to go through the because they, they don't know you. We all stay on the alias. They had to everything goes to the trainer and the coach. This is my coach. Knocking mm -hmm. on the door, he said, "Chuck, uh, we got a problem. The cops are here to arrest you." I'm like, "For what?" They're like, "Some guy said he asked you for an autograph and you were in a oh. bad mood." Blah blah blah, and they arrested me. So that's what happened that night. But you got to give me some credit for improvising, brother. Credit? You're my. You're even more of my hero than you were before. <laughs> you took your clothes off and you did fake karate moves, and somehow you you backed off three weightlifters and and you broke Shout one of them. Hey, Ralph Macchio and Mr. Miyagi, thank them for that. Do you actually know any karate? We're just mimicking what you saw on the television. Hundred percent mimicking. Never had a karate class or anything like that in my life. <laughs> That is an amazing story. See, I, I'm, 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 I'm usually on the other end of those things. I think I'm hilarious when I'm drunk, Charles. And um, I say things like a guy said, to, I had a nice shirt on one night. And the guy said to me something like, hey, nice Armani shirt, which he might have meant as a compliment. But I don't know. I didn't like the way he said it. And so I said to him, well, your mom likes it. And he said, what? I said, well, that's what she uh, that's what she said to me this morning after she finished giving me a blowjob. And I don't remember anything after that. I just then received a series of blows to my head and body. And I woke up uh, sometime later. And hey, let me tell you something. You got exactly what you deserved. <laughs> I think you're right, Charles. I thought it was hilarious. One thing about growing up in the country or the ghetto, you can say anything you want to. Once you say your mama. Yeah, that's it. It's a gotta fight or gotta get your ass kicked scenario. I grew up in the Ozarks and in the Ozarks, that was actually a compliment. If you insulted somebody's mother, it was one of the highest forms of respect you could pay somebody. So now, Sheena, give me another. This is not the one I was thinking of, though. What's the other Charles uh, tidbit? The one I'm looking for. 
Uh, he got sued by a Vegas casino for $400,000 in gambling debts. Now, that's insane, but not that one either. What's another one? Uh, he said if he ever saw his former agent, he'd shoot him in the head. Well, we all feel that way about our former agents. No. What's another one? He participated in an outdoor competitive masturbation league called Beat the Freeze. No, that, that was me. I did that. And I told you that in confidence. That's not Charles Barkley. Come on, Sheena. What's the one I'm looking for? You're being coy because you don't want to insult Charles, but you're just making it worse. Uh, okay, how about this? One? He angered the entire city of San Antonio by saying it's a gold mine for Weight Watchers because of their big old women who love churros. No, that's amazing. That's an amazing thing to say. But that no, I remember what it was. Okay, this is what makes you relatable to me, Charles. Okay, who amongst us has not been partying with Urkel, then gotten a car full of donuts, and then got a DUI because we were in a hurry to get a blowjob? I mean, who? That makes you completely relatable, Charles. First of I, all, th there's a lot of falsehoods on that story. Oh, yeah? <laughs> uh, number one, I did get a DUI. All right, so that one's true. I, yeah, I was pissed, too. I'm not going to lie. All right. Uh, because I did not think I deserved that. Okay. <laughs> Were you drunk so, or not? I was not drunk. All I was, right, I, okay. No, I'll tell you what's funny about it. We were going back to my house to get drunk. Oh, I see. Yes. So I had, uh, I have a big New Year's Eve party every year. All right. I run out of a restaurant and invite all my friends, bring in a DJ, very select group of people so we can have fun, no pictures, no autographs. We can just chill. We were going back to my house to get blasted. And I got Urkel, Strahan. <laughs> I got, a, I forget who else was with me. I mean, it's already a circus clown car, which you got going no, on there. It was, like, it was so much. No, they're all in their own car. Oh, okay. All right. So they're following you. You got straight no, hand and Urkel. I'm following them. Oh, you're I'm following the them. Fourth, all right. I'm the fourth car. All right. You got donuts in the car? I have donuts. That's another. Somebody said that's another falsehood. All right. Okay. <laughs> that's another. Really, but it's, it's egg, egg McMuffins. Do you have any food item at all in the car? I had, I had no. No uh, pastries in the car. All right. So I think Urkel and Strahan were one and two. You know how you get up to a stop sign and you slow roll it? Sure. So they slow roll it. Michael slow rolls it. I forget who the other third celebrity was, to be honest with you. And I'm the fourth car. And I slow roll the stop sign. All of a sudden, there's three police cars around me. And I'm like, what y'all stop me for? Like, well, you didn't stop at the stop sign. And I said, okay. And I did the test. I'm like, yo, man, I'm not even close to being drunk. Now, I'll admit, I'm going home. I got my celebrity friend staying with me. Now, we're going home to get drunk, but I'm not drunk at all. And uh, But, hey, uh, they got me. I learned a valuable lesson. Uh, but, yeah, I, the donut and the blowjob came in later because of, I'm not even sure it was the Internet. The third celebrity I'm imagining is Alan Thicke for some reason. I'm just going to pretend it's Alan Thicke. My New Year's Eve party, uh, they're fun. Like, if you can they come, sound like a hoot. They just do. Get, like, just I, getting there sounds unbelievable. And I understand. I, 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 you know, I, of course, accept your story about the, you know, the, the stop sign and the, and the donuts and the, and the blowjob and everything. I'm a little disappointed that it's not true. Me too. I got a, I actually, this is true. I got a disorderly conduct charge uh, when I dropped acid with Rodney Allen Rippey in the parking lot of a Krispy Kreme one time. You know? I haven't seen Urkel since that night. He probably want to hang out with me after that. Can I come to your, your next, your next New Year's Eve party? Hell yeah. Ah, excellent. I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to show up whether I'm invited or not. How's that? Hey, that's, kind of, that's my big move. Jim, I tell you what, you come, my security not going to whoop your ass. I'll tell you it's funny story. <laughs> that sounded kind of threatening, as if I didn't think it was a possibility that they would. But now I'm not actually worried about it. Now, Charles, you've been a wonderful sport, and thank you for. I, I, well, let's get you out of here. I just want to play a little game with you. We, we, it's a tradition on our show. Well, this is our first show, but it's going to be a tradition that we play a game with every one of our guests. Little, little, little cute game. We want to do it with you. This game is called "Did Shaq Endorse It?" Okay, your partner Shaq, and you've done a fair share of famous commercials. My favorite one from the 90s, where you played basketball against Godzilla. But I think I think you'd agree that you're you're inside the NBA co-host Shaquille O'Neal. He's taken doing commercials to another level. I mean, he's on almost every one of them I see on television. 
So Sheena's going to read off a, a brand or a product. You tell us if Shaq has or has not endorsed it, okay? Okay. Go ahead, Sheena. Carnival Cruises. Yes. General Car Insurance. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Salino and Barnes Injury Attorneys. No. I'm a, he did not. I'm amazed he has. I'm sure if they just asked him, he would do it. But I guess they didn't ask. Okay, go ahead, Sheena. Something called Shakaroni and Meatballs with the Soup Man. No. Yes, he did. Oh, That's, my God. He, he really did do that. I don't even think that product exists, but he still did a commercial for it, Sir Charles. Right, go, go ahead, Sheena. Apollo Private Jets. Yes. Yeah, I can see why he did that one. Go ahead, Sheena. Drone wristwatches. No. No, he did do that. What is that anyway? What is that? I don't know. Is it like a wristwatch that hovers above you and fires a laser when it's time to go? I have no idea what that is. But he did. Well, LA, LA, LA. At least we know it was successful because we haven't heard about it. That's right. <laughs> not one of his. Not one of his more lucrative ventures. Uh, go ahead, Sheena. Uh, the Blackwater Mercenary Group. I hope not. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. I'm pretty sure those guys, I think they were the villains in that movie, Lethal Weapon. I think they're soldiers for hire. I don't think he'd... Anyway, go ahead, Sheena. A sleep apnea mask. Well, let me just say this. If he did, it ain't working. Because he falls asleep at work all the time, and he'd be snoring like a mother. So, no. He did do that. He did a commercial for a sleep apnea mask. That's getting weird now. Go ahead, Sheena. What's the next one? Radio Shack. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a natural. I think they even spelled it S-H-A-Q. Go ahead, Sheena. A bundle of Novex human growth hormones called the Shack Pack. No. That's a yes. Can you believe that? I mean, that's getting weird now. That's getting into, like, experimenting on human beings. Scientific experimentation. Isn't that enough? Isn't that enough stuff to endorse in a lifetime? There's more, though. A bundle of Burger King food called the Shack Pack. No. No, he did do that. Oh my was, but in fairness to you, that was not even a commercial. That was just like a documentary. They just filmed him in his natural habitat eating at Burger King. <laughs> and finally, one more Shack Pack. Finally, go ahead, Sheena. A purse marketed to men called the Shack Pack. No. That's right. He did not do that. We made that one up. Very good, Sir Charles. I think you only missed two. Well, Charles, this was unbelievable. This was a dream come true for me. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And... Uh, You've been wonderful. They say don't meet your heroes, but sometimes when you meet your heroes, they surpass your expectations. And this was one of those times for me. So thank you for being here. It was my pleasure. And I really look forward to spending some time with you, sir. The great and powerful Charles Barkley, everybody. Boy, I think I might've found my spirit animal here today. You know, Charles dropped a lot of wisdom on the podcast, but he did leave out one motto, subscribe, rate, and review. Please, folks, yes, I have officially become that jerk that begs you to do that stuff. So my sincere apologies, but uh, please do it. But I'm sorry, but do it. Anyway, please join us again in two weeks. My guest will be Rich Eisen. What a pleasure it was being with you. Take care, everybody.